0: Okay, um, before we get into the message, um, I want to give, um, I think, some exciting news. Um, We've mentioned over the past few weeks, um, we've been talking about a building as a church for the last five years, and I mentioned um, over the past few weeks that we've had kind of some irons in the fire. We've been kind of uh, negotiating with a a building owner, and I want to let you know that as of May 1st, we are officially under contract, so yeah. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Officially under contract, and we have now moved into a due diligence phase. Um, And so the due diligence phase, of course, is like building inspection, that kind of stuff. Um, We have to go to the city and talk about change. It doesn't need rezone, but we have to talk about change of use um, to do assembly and that kind of thing. So um, there's still, it's not a done deal at this point, but we're in the process of pursuing a building. And um, you need to know this building is not designed as a church. So um, if, go, if everything goes well, we could potentially have keys to this building by, by January, uh, not January, I'm sorry, July. Um, however, there will be some renovations that need to take place, so it could be a couple more months before actually holding church services there. So. That's exciting, not a done deal, but it seems to be looking good, so I, I'll just ask you this, please pray, 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 and, uh, and I want to say once again, thank you for your faithfulness in your giving. Um, because of your faithfulness um, and because of our, our board's um, discipline, we've been able to save a lot of money over the last five years, and that's what's put us in a position to be able to put a significant down payment down uh, for this facility um, so more on that um, coming up. If everything's moving forward and progressing um, uh, the right way, next week is Mother's Day, but the week after that, I think we'll we'll do a um, kind of a family meeting, State of the Union as a church, and we'll hopefully have some really good updates for you at that point. So um, it's always been part of our vision since we started the church to have a facility of our own, and we've received many prophetic words over the last five years about building, and so um, we know that God is leading this thing. Amen? All right, so good things. Yeah, for those of you who don't know, we we do uh, rent this facility from the Adventure Church, who meets on Saturday, and uh, we rent from them here on Sunday. So we've had a a wonderful relationship with them. They've been really great to work with. Uh, No problems there, and um, they're both Sad to see us go if if it goes that way, but also really happy for us. So um, just, yeah, we love this place. We love the Adventure Church. All right. Well, if you have your Bibles, get them out. If you have your phones, put them away. All right. Put those distraction machines away. I know your Bible's on it, but let's face it you're gonna get notifications about something you posted on social media, and I don't want you looking at it right now, okay? (laughs) All right, we're gonna, this morning, um, I've felt compelled to do a Bible prophecy um, update. Um, I like to do Bible prophecy updates about once a year or when something significant happens uh, in the world. Last year, I did one um, right around the time of the, the Ukraine invasion. Um, I like to do them about once a year. Um, as I was looking at the 2023 calendar at the, the beginning of this year, so it was either December or January, I was looking at the calendar and kind of trying to map out the year. And um, as I was looking at the calendar, I noticed that the nation of Israel, their 75th anniversary as a nation, or uh, regathering, I should say, because they were a nation before... Um, their 75th anniversary is May 14th. So Ben-Gurion, uh, May 14th, 1948, um, declared independence of Israel, and their 75th anniversary is uh, next Sunday. Um, so I've kind of had it in my, as a placeholder, I've kind of had it in my mind to do a um, prophecy update around the time of Israel's 75th anniversary. Um, however, I'm not going to do it next week because next week is Mother's Day, and that would be kind of a strange Mother's Day message, wouldn't it? So no, next week, this lady right here is going to be bringing the word, and she has a good word for you, so come ready for that. Moms, of course, um, be ready for that. Okay, so, um, so I decided to pick the week before. So we're, we're uh, May 7th, and I'm going to talk about um, end times, eschatology, and Israel and what ha- that has to do. Um, with with our lives, um, interestingly, and and I couldn't have anticipated this, and no one could have anticipated this. Um, right now, as of today, there is a global call for um, Christians, believers, to be praying and fasting for the nation of Israel. I'll get into why that's important um, towards the end of this message, but. Um, Today kicks off a 21-day time of prayer and fasting for Jerusalem, the nation of Israel, and the Jewish people. Um, And so I can tell you um, confidently that today there are um, over, I don't know the exact number, but at least 5 million Christians around the world that are taking at least an hour every day and praying intentionally for the nation of Israel, the Jewish people, and Jerusalem. Um, And this is crazy, and I'm not making this up. Um, at the end of this 21 days, this will culminate on May 28th, um, there, will, um, there will be, and I'm not making this up, there will be 100 million Christians around the world intentionally praying for God's purposes uh, for Israel and, and the Jewish people in Jerusalem. That's crazy. And so how crazy was it that back in January, I had planned to do a prophecy update this weekend. And then I found out just over the last few weeks that there was this call for a global fast that begins today. So crazy and crazy interesting. We'll talk more about how we could maybe be part of that. Um, But only God could have coordinated such a thing. Okay, why are believers praying, uh, intentionally praying right now for the Jewish people, the nation of Israel and Jerusalem? Um, I've preached on end times in the past and Israel's role in the end times um, a few times over the past five years. And some of you might be asking, why Israel, why now, and what does this have to do with my everyday life? Good question, I'm glad you asked. Many reasons for that, Um, but for those of you who do not realize this, Israel and Jerusalem are at the epicenter of biblical prophecy. I don't know if you know this, this is a Jewish book written by Jewish people. Um, If you know Jews and they're not like inclined to read the New Testament, Have them read the first couple chapters of Matthew. And what you're going to have is um, the genealogy of Jewish people and the history of of, um, Jews. And so this is a Jewish book um, written from a Jewish perspective. And obviously end-time events, eschatology, it's going to affect the whole globe. It'll affect the whole world. But at the, if you move in on that bullseye, it's Middle East, and if you really want to move in on that bullseye, we're talking Israel, and most specifically, the city of uh, Jerusalem. And so, end-time um, in, uh, in events center around a little country the size of New Jersey, all biblical prophecy is, that's the bullseye of all biblical prophecy. Uh, Israel is the size of New Jersey, not a very big country. Um, so I want to lead a church. I have a vision to lead a church that is in tune with God's purposes for Jerusalem, Israel, and, and the Jewish people. Um, many Christians, uh, many churches, um, are they either don't know or they don't care, are oblivious to the fact that. Um, God has purposes and, and still has future purposes for his people. Um, what does this look like? I want to just kind of whet your appetite a little bit this morning, but more than giving like this airtight sermon on eschatology, I'm going to tell you everything that happens, and I'm going to get out my charts, right? Don't you hate those sermons? They're, they could be good. They can be informative. They can be interesting. They can also, be, uh, they can also make you sleepy. But more than that, um, I want to provoke you to be a watchman on the wall in the end times. Um, in 1 Chronicles, uh, King Saul, as you know, King Saul died, and there was, uh, in chapter 12, there's a list of tribes that were that began to defect over to David's, King David's leadership. Um, God was clearly handing the kingdom to David after King Saul had died. And of those tribes, um, in First Chronicles 12, of the tribes listed there that were defecting over to King David's leadership, most of them were commended. It, gave, it said, here's this, here's this tribe, here's a number of, of fighting men, and most of them were commended for some type of um, warrior-type skill. Um, and I'll give you an example of this. First Chronicles 12, uh, 23. It says, now these are the numbers of the divisions equipped for war who came to David at Hebron to turn the kingdom of Saul to him according to the word of the Lord. The sons of Judah, who carried shield and spear, numbered 6,800, equipped for war. From the sons of Simeon, valiant men of war, 7,100. Okay, the list goes on and just lists these, these different tribes, and they were, most of them were commended for some type of warrior attribute. And then you get to First Chronicles twelve thirty two. It says this, From Issachar, men who understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all the relatives under their command. Okay. The men of Issachar, they were not commended for being brave or being skilled with weapons, but they were commended for understanding the days and the times that they lived in. And they were commended for understanding what to do in those times. They had a spirit of wisdom and revelation. They had a supernatural gift from God to understand the times that they were in and understood what Israel needed to do. I want to propose to you that God wants to raise up an end-time church that understands the, the day they live in and understands what to do about it. Yeah. And I believe the grace of God, <clears throat> as we progress, the grace of God will... Um, equip us to do that, to understand the times we live in and what to do about it. Again, a large section of the body of Christ has no idea what time it is or what to do about it. They're just completely ignoring this. Um, Again, none of us know perfectly. None of us have the complete picture of of eschatology. You know, (laughs) if you read the book of Revelation, you're like, John, did you take some cough syrup before you went to bed? You know, it's like, there's some, there's some pretty serious imagery in here, and it's like, what's going on here? Um, so none of us know it perfectly, because a lot of, there's a lot of metaphor in there. There's a lot of um, prophetic imagery, pictures that mean literal things. And none of us have a perfect picture of how this will unfold. Um, but I believe God's grace for anyone who is genuinely paying attention, he will, he will show us as it unfolds. Um, and I'll give a little... Um, also disclaimer when it comes to eschatology and time events and the, the disclaimer is this there have been times in the past i would let's let's say 1980s 1990s where there was a and maybe 1970s where there was a super strong emphasis on the return of jesus the rapture the return of jesus and nothing wrong with that we should we should be talking about that because it's in the bible But there was such a strong emphasis on it, and people were so convinced that Jesus was coming, his return was imminent, that like people didn't go to college. I remember like around, remember Y2K? What a disaster that was when all the computers, oh wait, nothing happened. (laughs) (laughs) Around that time, I remember people were like, yeah, I want to, you know, I graduated in 99, and I knew Christians that were like, yeah, I want to go to college and do these great things in my life, but Jesus is coming back. So I'm just going to like rack up debt and, uh, you know, because it doesn't matter. So unfortunately, the church, um, you know, how many of you know we're in the world, we're not of it, and um, to an extent, we have to be separated from you know the systems of the world. But what happened was I think the church withdrew um, a lot of resources and talent and creativity um, and we lost influence in so many sectors of society. Where like if you look at media for example, like there's almost no Christian influence in media. You look at government, it's like not a lot of influence. So there's certain sectors of society where Christians completely withdrew because Jesus is coming back. So I want to give a Um, This is what I want to say about that. Plan on being here for the next hundred years. Okay, Um, I'm planning on living a long life. I'm planning on raising my kids. I'm planning on moving into a space, a building, and and raising up a church. And someday I want to hand off that church to another leader. That's what I'm planning on. However, I want to be ready if Jesus comes back right now. And you can do both. You can plan for the future. You can invest. You can, you can believe for a great future, have kids, grandkids, the whole bit, but be ready for him if he returns today. So that's my, my caveat. But Jesus said this. It is important. Um, the, the, the opposite is true. We shouldn't only live and not pay attention to um, end time events because this is what Jesus said in Matthew 24, verses 42 through 44. He says, therefore, keep watch. This is his instruction. So in Matthew 24, he talks about a lot of end times things, things that will happen, some things that did happen in his day. He says, therefore, keep watch. Why? Because you do not know the day the Lord will come. But understand this, if the owner of the house had known what time of night the thief was coming, he would have kept watch and would not have let his house be broken into. So you must also be ready. I don't know why. He says we we're supposed to be ready. Apparently, there's a way to be ready and there's a way not to be ready. So you must also be ready because the son of man, Jesus speaking of himself, will come at an hour when you do not expect him. Okay, again, none of us have the perfect picture of when, but we do have a sort of a good picture of what and where. Though the, 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 the where of the rapture is everywhere at once. And the where of the return of Jesus to set up his millennial reign is Jerusalem. We know the place. We just don't know when, okay? If you know when and you write a book about it, um, I'm not going to buy it. (laughs) So. Excuse me. So let me give you today a few uh, practical, uh, practical ways to be ready for the rapture and the return of Jesus to this world. Again, more than preaching this airtight, end-time sermon, I want to provoke you to be a watchman on the wall. It says this in Isaiah 62, verses 6 and 7. The Lord says, I have posted watchmen on your walls, O Jerusalem. They will never be silent, day or night. You will call on the Lord uh, you who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest, and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her a praise of all the earth. Okay, what is he talking about? He's talking about intercessors, people who are praying. You who call on the Lord, you watchmen on the wall, give yourselves no rest, and don't let him rest. God is literally saying, like, don't let me, don't let me rest. Don't stop bugging me. Don't stop bothering me. Give yourselves no rest. I'm putting watchmen on the walls until what? Until I make, um, until Jerusalem is a praise in all the earth. Listen, Jerusalem at this point is not a praise in all the earth. Jerusalem at this point is like, kind of like the splinter in everyone's side because there's so much contention and fighting. It is the most hotly contested piece of real estate in the entire world. When will it be a praise in all of the earth? It will be a praise in all of the earth when Jesus comes back and sets up his kingdom on the earth. Jesus is coming back to a literal city called Jerusalem where he will rule and reign for a thousand years. This is in your Bible. So this is why the Bible says uh, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. And unfortunately, there will be pockets of peace um, seasons of peace, but there will not be enduring peace for the city of Jerusalem until the Prince of Peace comes and and makes everything, sets everything right. Okay, essentially when we're praying for the peace of Jerusalem and when we're, when we're um, praying that God would make Jerusalem a praise in all the earth, we're essentially praying that the King, King Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom on this earth. And so I believe God is calling the end time church to be watchmen on the walls and pray into God's purposes for Israel, Jerusalem, and the Jewish people. Don't, he says, you don't rest, don't give me rest until I make Jerusalem a praise in all the earth. Okay, so how can you be a watchman? I'll give you a couple real practical things here. How can you be a watchman? Number one, spend time in his word. Spend time in this Bible. How can you begin to understand God's heart For the end times and his purposes, if you don't know what this book says. I get that we all have opinions, but most of our opinions are bad. Okay. I love when you talk to people about, you Christians, about something that's like in the Bible. And they're like, well, here's how I feel. It's like, you know how you feel is wrong, like different than what the Bible says. So who cares how you feel it matters what the Bible says, right? Well, I feel that it's like, shut up. Okay. Who cares how you feel? The Bible says this, like, let's believe it. Okay. We want to know what this book says. So I want to give you a warning. Don't get your opinion about Israel, Jerusalem, and the Jewish people from CNN, MSNBC, the BBC, NPR, the United Nations, or any other organization. Get your opinion about how, what God's heart is for that city from God, from the word of God. Okay. I don't know about you, but it's like, I want to be on the right side of God's opinions. It's like, if he feels a certain way about something, I'm like, well, I guess I just need to, you know, lean not on my own understanding and all my ways acknowledge him and he will direct my paths. I want to be on the right side of history in God's, uh, in God's opinion. So get your opinions about the end times and what God, what's going to happen in God's opinion about who should and shouldn't have control of land or those kind of things from the word of God. He cares, and he has opinions about it, okay? That's number one, spend time in his word. Number two, how can you be a watchman? Turn the word of God, turn the word of God that you read here into a prayer dialogue between you and the Lord. The, the will of God does not have to be completely ambiguous to us. We know the will of God, when we read the Word of God. And then we can turn that, and this doesn't just apply to end times, this actually applies to every area of our life. When you read the Word, you see a promise of God, or you see something you don't understand. I don't just be like, huh, I don't get it. I'm like, Holy Spirit, I don't understand this. Will you help me understand this? And you will be so surprised when you turn the Bible, the Word of God, Scripture, into a prayer dialogue. And just begin to, when you read the Bible, don't just read it for information. Read it and turn it into a conversation between you and the Lord. And that's how you begin to get revelation. The Holy Spirit begins to unlock the scriptures to you and you begin to get a spirit of wisdom and revelation. And so turn it into prayer dialogue between you and the Lord. I love the book of Revelation. Um, it's clear that in the book of Revelation, if you read chapters of uh, If you're taking notes, chapters uh, five, verse eight, and, and chapter eight, verse four, there is a picture of the prayers of the saints, the prayer of God's people being offered as incense in heaven. So like our, our praise, our, our prayers, there's a picture in the book of Revelation as those things going up before God as incense in heaven. And here's what I want you to see, like God doesn't want us to pray and worship just to check our do-gooder list. Um, he wants us to pray so that he can release his activity here on earth. And he wants us to worship so that he can intervene. How many know in the, in the Old Testament, there's a picture of the worshipers going before the warriors? Like, so when we praise, it unlocks, like, God's activity. Okay, but in the book of Revelation, this is what I want to say. It's, it's clear that there's believers on earth. There's the church on earth who are in tune with the heart of God for situations that are going on in the world, and they're praying in accordance with God's will to dismantle the kingdom of darkness and to dismantle the Antichrist's kingdom. And so, here's what I want you to see: the prayers of the saints are are um, directly connected to the activity of heaven being released here on earth. And so, this—it's not just—we don't just have a passive role of just making it through this life. We actually have a, a, a uh, mandate from the Lord. Jesus said, pray in this manner. Our Father in who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are supposed to be actively praying that God would release his purposes here on this earth. And you see in the book of Revelation that the prayers of the saints are going up to God in heaven and then God is acting on earth on behalf of the saints who are praying and these saints aren't praying their whim prayers and their opinion prayers. They're in the word of God, understanding the word of God and saying, God, your word says this. God, do this here on earth. And God is moving on behalf of his church. So if you want to be a watchman on the wall, get into his word, turn it to dialogue between the Lord and pray his will. Pray his will here on earth. I, um, it's not wrong to say, you know, if you don't know, like you're praying for something like, God, let your will be done. Sometimes we just don't know. God, I don't know your will. I don't know what you want to do in this situation. But I don't, I don't particularly like if it be thy will prayers. Well, God, heal this person if it be thy will. I'm like, no healing's in your Bible. Jesus paid for it. God, I'm asking you to heal this person. You know what I mean? Um, is there poverty in heaven? No. Um, God... Is it your will for us to be in poverty? Well, I don't see it in heaven, so I'm going to pray God's abundance here on earth. I'm not preaching the prosperity gospel here. I'm just saying, like, God wants to meet our needs according to his riches and glory, okay? So I don't really believe in if it be thy will prayers. I believe in prayers of authority. Amen. The double-minded man receives nothing from the Lord. Prayers of authority. Now, if you don't know, it's okay to be like, God, I don't know. If there's, in fact, if there's a situation I don't know what to do in, I just pray in tongues a lot. Just, just pray in tongues until I figure out how to, how to pray, until I get a direction from the Lord. So, you see the prayers of the saints and God's activity working in tandem in the end times, and God wants us to be in tune with his purposes for this world, releasing it here on earth. So, know the word of God, know the times we live in, turn it to prayer dialogue. Point number three, how can you be a watchman on the wall in the end times? Hang around believers and listen to teachers who are paying attention. Okay? Hang around believers and talk about, hey, what do you think this means? And is, is, this, is this, you know, a precursor to the mark of the beast? And those, have those conversations. I think they're good conversations. They're great campfire conversations. Not all of those conversations are good for like preaching publicly, but they're really good conversations to have. Hang around believers who and listen to teachers who are paying attention. Now, listen, there's a spectrum of teachers who um, who are paying attention, who believe different things about the end times, and that's okay, because I think I think God is going to sort it out as we move along. I think those puzzle pieces will come together, and we'll realize like. Okay, we thought the rapture was here. It's actually here, and we're going to sort that out. And the grace of God is going to reveal to us as things unfold. But pay attention to um, or follow teachers who are paying attention, and hang around people who are paying attention. Again, there's many different theories on the end times, but those things I think, genuinely, if you genuinely want to understand, you genuinely like God, I want to get this. I want to understand this. I believe God will direct. The, the church and I believe b- before long the whole church because there's many different streams and many different beliefs about end times and eschatology. I believe that will actually get sorted out where we're completely synced up. That's what I believe. There's a picture of in the book of Revelation is that there's synced up believers on earth praying God's will and God releasing that from heaven. It says this in Second Timothy four three. This is certainly speaking of end times. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. Okay? So, listen. Uh, follow teachers who are paying attention, not just preachers who want to tickle your ears and make you feel good, okay? Now, listen. The Bible has a lot to say about um, marriage, relationships, money, Prosperity, happiness. The Bible has a lot to say about those things. I have nothing against those things. I have nothing against preaching those things. Those are great things. Like God, God wants to interact in your life and he does. I believe he does want us to be happy. Okay. But be careful, not just to gather around yourself teachers who, who um, you just want to hear for, for your itching ears. Amen. Okay. The Bible teaches there will be a rapture and that Jesus is coming back. This is a subject that in many cases is completely ignored with many churches. I would just say, again, not everyone's an expert on this, but if you're following a teacher who never talks about this, that's a problem, okay? Because things will not continue on as they are forever. Jesus is coming back, and he said, pay attention and be ready, okay? One of the callings... Of this church, and I didn't honestly. I did not completely anticipate this when we started this church. I just had a heart to reach Greeley and to you know love people into the kingdom. Um, one of the callings of this church I am finding out is to have a pulse on end times events. On a scale of one to ten, I'm probably a two. Like I'm not saying I'm an expert at this. I'm not saying I've arrived at this, but I'm I'm interested in learning more about this. I'm interested. And leading uh, this church to knowing more about it. The Lord gave me a prophetic blueprint um, a couple years ago. And for those of you who have been around for a couple years, you'll remember this. And I've talked about it many times. The Lord gave me a prophetic blueprint for how he wants this church to continue to build in phase two of our church. And he gave me this picture from the book of Nehemiah chapter three. In the book of Nehemiah chapter three, there's ten gates there that are listed. And the Lord revealed to my heart, this is a prophetic prototype or picture of how he wants to build our, this church. So, for example, there's the, the fish gate. And the fish gate speaks of evangelism. Jesus said to his disciples, I will make you fishers of men. So that's one of the gates we want open is the fish gate. Um, there's, there is the valley gate. Valley gate is ministry to the brokenhearted, people coming through the low places. We want to be a church that has the valley gate open, people who are broken coming here. Um, the fountain gate. This, is, this speaks of the gifts and ministries of the Holy Spirit. Jesus said that um, if you have the Holy Spirit, waters, um, rivers of living water will flow from within you. Okay? So we want the fountain gate to be open here. And any new facility we get in, man, I want all these gates open. But the one that kind of came out of left field for me a little bit was the east gate. And the east gate speaks... Of biblical prophecy. If you read at, towards the end of the book of Ezekiel, there's a lot of, um, the Bible talks a lot about the East Gate. And the East Gate um, is a prophetic gate speaking of eschatology and speaking about future things. Um, I don't have time to read all of it, but um, it is there. Um, I have a quick video I want to play for you. Um, we were in Jerusalem in the, the end of October, the beginning of November. And we stood on the Mount of Olives with the East Gate behind us, and I gave a little commentary on what will happen at the East Gate in the future. So go ahead and roll that video. Hello friends, we're standing on the Mount of Olives, Olives the place where Jesus ascended into heaven. This is the place that the Bible teaches and many Christians believe that Jesus will return. In fact, Jews believe that the Messiah, who we believe is Jesus, will return to this very place it says in Zechariah 14 verse 4 on that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem and the Mount of Olives will be split in two from east to west forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half of the valley moving south um, and then if you look over in Ezekiel chapter 44 so we're on the Mount of Olives across from me is the east gate or um, the golden gate And this is the gate that we believe the Messiah, when he returns, he will come to the Mount of Olives, cross through the Kidron Valley, and go through that uh, eastern gate. I'm gonna read Ezekiel um, 1 through three, it says this, then the man brought me back to the outer gate of the sanctuary, the one facing east, and it was shut. Uh, Little known fact, this gate is shut and has been shut for a long time. Um, There are different theories of why the gate was shut, Um, Some think it was to prevent the Messiah from returning because there is a um, grave right in front of there. But regardless of why it was shut, it is shut. And and I believe it will be shut until Jesus returns. It says in verse 2, the Lord said to me, this gate is to remain shut. It must not be opened. No one may enter through it. It is to remain shut because the Lord, the God of Israel, has entered through it. The prince himself is the only one who may sit inside it of the gateway to eat in the presence of the Lord. He is to enter by way of the portico of the gate, gateway and go out the same way. And so that gate is shut. I believe it will remain shut until the Messiah returns um, on this Mount of Olives. So what a significant place. And there we believe Jesus will rule and reign for a thousand years on the Temple Mount literally and physically. Amen. So good. Jesus is literally and physically, not just metaphorically or spiritually, he's literally coming back to this world to establish a kingdom from a city that literally exists in a part of the world called Jerusalem. Okay. Why are so many believers... I'm praying for Israel right now. Um, Israel is actually in a very, very dangerous place at the moment. Probably the most dangerous place since uh, 1973. 1973 was the Yom Kippur War where Israel was attacked um, and a uh, su- surprise attack. They were not expecting it. And it was a war in which they could have been and were very close to being um, overrun by their enemies. In fact, in 1973, the prime minister of Israel called Richard Nixon in the middle of the night and says, if America doesn't help, we don't know if we're going to exist in a few hours. Like, we need America's support now. And for different reasons, I won't get into it, Richard Nixon's cabinet had advised America not to get involved with the conflict, but Richard Nixon, um, because the prime minister called him in the middle of the night and said, we're done if you don't help us. Israel is in the most vulnerable position since 1973, since the Yom Kippur War. They're in a very dangerous place again. Number one, you guys know this, but the country of Iran um, has not just threatened to destroy Israel. The country of Iran has promised to destroy Israel when they get a nuclear weapon. And I don't know if you know this, but they're like, really, really close to getting may may actually already have enough material to to develop a nuclear weapon. And they're not just saying yeah, if you keep this up, we're gonna gonna destroy you. No, they're like, they've promised to destroy the nation of Israel. Israel has this thing and for good reason. When someone threatens to wipe you off the face of the earth, you should believe them. If someone has a loaded gun and they say, I want to kill you, Here's my advice. Believe what they say. Um, you can't afford not to believe what they say, right? And Israel is in a position where they cannot afford to, believe, uh, to not believe what their enemies are saying about them. Currently, Israel is surrounded by Gaza, the Gaza Strip to the south, Lebanon to the north, Syria to the northeast, and Iran is funneling uh, missiles, weapons, drones, Um, rockets, all those things into those areas, and Iran and Iranian proxies are all pointed at the nation of Israel. Um, So it's pretty serious over there. Okay, and that has been the case, but um, that can't continue to be the case for Israel. Additionally, Israel um, has some major uh, factions within its own government at the moment. There's lots of protesting happening in a nation, and literally people are using the word civil war right now in Israel. There's major, major problems, uh, major discord um, happening within the nation. Um, I won't get into all the reasons why, but uh, the prime minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, who, who was actually elected when we were at, in Israel. In fact, our tour guide and the bus driver were like, we have to drop you off at the hotel so we can get over here and vote. We're like, go vote, you know? Yeah. And they were both voting for Netanyahu. Um, but currently, Netanyahu, the prime minister, is pushing for some uh, judicial reform. It's it's bringing a lot of chaos um, to the nation. And literally, they're talking about civil war in Israel. So Israel's enemies around, us, around Israel are seeing this. They're seeing this turmoil. They're seeing these disagreements. They're like, okay, we're... They're they're like in a position where they could strike. And of course, as you know, the worldwide landscape of power um, seems to be shifting because the United States is not projecting a lot of strength right now. We are projecting a much weaker position than we have in the past. Additionally, Russia, China, Iran have been cozying up to one another. And so it's putting Israel in a very dangerous position. Um, In my opinion... Um, well, they have to do something about it. Israel cannot sit by and allow Iran to keep developing nuclear weapons and, and literally promising to destroy them. I hope nothing does happen. I hope there is a, a, a resolution made soon that we have another season of peace in the future. But I would not be surprised if we don't see a significant conflict in the Middle East in, in the near future. I don't, know, I don't know when, but I would not surprise me at all. <clears throat> If you read the book of Ezekiel, I love, I love the book of Ezekiel. In chapters 36 and 37, you can see, 36, you can see that God begins to um, restore the land for the, for the people of Israel, for the Jews to return. You could see in uh, chapter 37, it talks about the Valley of Dry Bones, and, and, it, and it outlines the physical restoration of Israel and a spiritual restoration of Israel that is coming. That's where we're at right now. The dry bones have been regathered. Sinew has come on them. Muscle has come on them. But then Ezekiel says, but there was no life in them. That life, the breath of life, is a spiritual revival that God has yet to breathe into the Jewish people because most of them do not believe in Yeshua as the Messiah. But then you read Ezekiel 38, and it talks about a... War that will take place in the future. This battle um, clearly shows Iran, which are the Persians, the Russians, as the aggressors with a coalition of other nations. So this, like the the battle lines are drawn perfectly right now. And as a matter of fact, in the Book of Ezekiel thirty-eight, it talks about nations who are protester nations. They're protesting this invasion of Israel. Even those nations are falling into perfect alignment at the moment because uh, how many remember the Abraham Accords? that um, President Trump helped broker those Abraham Accords, those nations are the nations listed as the protesting nations in the Bible. This is crazy that you have almost in perfect alignment the aggressors and the protesters. The problem is that in that war, those protesters aren't um, nations that fight with Israel. They're they're just protesters. And here's how this war in Ezekiel 38 will be different from other wars that Israel has fought in the past. Uh, in my opinion, um, uh, Psalm chapter 83 outlines Israel's war of independence from 1948. Those, if you look at the nations listed in Psalm 83, I think that is a perfect picture of of Israel's war of independence. Those, those nations perfectly line up. The difference between this war that is coming and the wars they've fought in the past. In the past, God has given Israel the victory, um, but they fought. Like they they had their armies, their tanks, their guns, their weapons. They have fought in the past. The difference with this future war that is coming up is that unfortunately, as strong as Israel is militarily, they will not be able to to, um, fight these enemies on their own. I don't know what will happen um, with the relationship between the United States and Israel in the future, but it is clear in Ezekiel 38, there's not a massive backing for Israel. So whether that means the United States just takes a step back and says, we're not going to involved with this, or the United States ceases to be a world power, I don't know. But it's clear that Israel is on their own in this battle in Ezekiel 38, and they're not strong enough to, to win this battle themselves. But God, God supernaturally intervenes in this war in Ezekiel 38 and fights for them and they have a great victory. <clears throat> so again, Psalm 83, I think outlines their war of independence, Ezekiel uh, 38. Um, there's a different set of countries that come from further in, but God delivers them. What do we need to do? Well, I'm not excited about war. I don't want war. Um, But it is coming because it is prophesied in the Bible. What do we need to do? We need to be watchmen on the wall. We need to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Because when the prince of peace comes, there will actually be lasting peace in Jerusalem. And we need to pray for the Jewish people, the nation of Israel, both Palestinians and Jews, that they would see King Jesus as the one true Messiah. Amen? And only King Jesus can bring peace to that situation. I'll conclude with this. Matthew twenty-three. Jesus had, um, well, I, I, is it twenty-three or twenty-four? Jesus prophesied the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened in seventy A.D. And so, this is what Jesus said. He's, he's. I believe he's standing on the Mount of Olives here, and he says this verse, uh, Matthew 23, 37 through through thirty-nine. He's looking at Jerusalem, just as we were in that video. Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who kill the prophets and stone those sent to you, how often I have longed to gather, you, uh, gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Look, your house is left to you desolate. For I tell you, you will not see me again until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus said to that city, you're not going to see me again until the grace of God moves upon your heart and you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. King Jesus, we want you to come back. King Jesus, we need you to come back. And Jesus says, I'm not coming back until the grace of God moves upon the Jewish people, nation of Israel, that the blinders would come off and they would see King Jesus as their Lord and Savior. That is going to happen. In fact, if you read read, uh, Romans chapter 11, it talks about, when the Jewish people's eyes are open and they, the blinders come off and they see Jesus as their Lord and Savior, it says, you think you've seen rev- revivals of the past that have been amazing. It says it will be like life, life to the whole world when that happens, like worldwide revival when the Jews' eyes are open and they see Jesus as a Lord and Savior. It is going to happen. The physical restoration of the land has taken place. The spiritual restoration will take place. And I believe God wants us As Gentile believers, to be praying, interceding, fasting for the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. Together with us, God wants to make one new man in Christ Jesus. How do we want to be, how can we be watchmen on the wall? Pray for Israel, pray for Jerusalem and the Jewish people. That's my application today. Um, There's a website called um, Isaiah62fast.com. And if you want to go there, there's. again, believers all around the world. There'll be 100 million believers on the 28th of May praying, and there's over 5 million believers praying every day between now and then. And um, we're not a hub that where people can come to every day to pray for that. There are many churches on this website who are a hub. In fact, uh, Victory Christian Fellowship here in town, they're a hub, and they have prayer meetings every day for Israel. So if you want to go join them and pray for Israel. But I just want to encourage you um, we have a prayer meeting Monday morning. We have a, uh, a worship and prayer meeting here uh, Thursday evenings. Come connect with us at one of these prayer meetings. And I'm asking um, that in these prayer meetings, we would at least take some time and pray for God's purposes for the nation of Israel, the Jewish people in Jerusalem. And I'm also asking that all ministries, city groups and um, within our church, take some time every time they meet and intentionally pray during this 21 days And just lean into the grace of God yourself. Like, God, what are you asking me to do during these next 21 days? I'm going to take some time every day and pray for Israel, the Jewish people, the nation of Israel. And so I want to just invite you into that. Go check out Isaiah62.com or Isaiah62fast.com. And uh, yeah, God's going to do some amazing things. Amen? All right, I'm going to pray. And then we're going to get you guys out of here quickly, because we have another service coming. Uh, Lord, we love you. Stand to your feet if you would this morning. Lord, we love you, we thank you, Jesus, for every individual in this house. Lord, we thank you for the plan, the purpose, and destiny, Lord, that you have for us, for Greeley, Colorado, Lord. And God, I thank you that what you're doing in the world, Lord God, you're leading this charge, Lord God. Help us to be in sync in tune and alignment with your will, God, on this earth. Help us to be watchmen on the wall, Lord. Those who Know the times we live in and know what we should do. I love you. We thank you for today. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said amen. Amen. All right, God bless you guys. Have a great week.